How was your week, everybody? Had a good week? Can I see a few smiles? Um, every single day is, is, is a wonderful day in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And we want to thank Him. We are going to continue this morning in the study of Revelation. Who enjoyed last week the Antichrist? And the week before, we looked at the dragon. And I must say, if you look around what's going on in the world right now, I was praying about it this week and even this morning when I, I prayed before this message. And you look into the world and you see what's going on now at the G20 and how people are protesting. And not only that, if you look at, at the next generation that's coming up, young people that's coming up, children growing up, I must say, it seems to me as if there's a generation growing up without the Word of God, without Christ. And that should be worrying. It should be worrying for us. I read in Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Olives, I read there that we are the light. We need to be light in this world. And if you go a little bit earlier into the book of John, you see that Jesus Christ, He was the light who came into the world. And in Him was life, it says there. And that's important for us. So we become that light bearers. In Hebrews there's a word, ur. Ur is a light carrier. In fact, what they looked at the moon, they see the moon as a reflection of the sun. So there's no light coming out of the moon. If you see the moon, you see the, the sun rays reflected to the earth. And that's what we should be as children of God. Wherever we go, we should carry that light. I look around me and I... And I think, Lord, it is so true what the Bible says, that apostasy is upon us. It's upon us. And this is serious. When we go through the book of Revelation and study and look at these things, we have a privilege of looking behind the scenes and seeing what's going on. On the other side of this wall or veil or, or whatever you want to call it, or a mirror, the people will see somebody standing up, a world entity, a world power, first of all, the revived Roman Empire, which is going to come back and rule the whole world as an empire. And then there's going to be this man, and everybody will see the man. And also, as we're going to look at the false prophet, they'll look at the false prophet. And I must say this morning, if you do not know the Word of God, I know, I know some people say I'm going on like a broken record about the Word of God, but I can't go on more about it. Because there's a lost generation. There's a watered-down message that's been preached in churches right now. And it's maybe not our generation at my age group who's getting hurt the most. It is those little ones. It's the young ones who's getting hurt the most. It is they who grow up without the Word of God. And if, if you at one stage is going to go to them and you want to give them a Scripture verse and you want to say, this is what the Bible says, they're going to say, what are you talking about? That's an old book. Written ages ago, years ago. So I know. Look, friends, get me not wrong here. I'm not here to bash other churches or preachers. But I find it fascinating that they only take one scripture verse. You cannot build a life on one scripture verse at a time. You cannot. 
You cannot build your Christian life or faith or mature with Scripture verses here and there. We need to have a full study of the Word of God. It's just natural if you think about that. We can't just live on snacks, can we? Crackers and cheese. Crackers and cheese all the time. You'll not get, you, you, will, you will become unhealthy. You will go to the doctor and he says, you better cut down on the sh- sugar and on the V's and on the Red Bulls and on the chocolates and, on all, and the crackers. And you need to get some good food in. To me, bits and pieces of the Bible is like snacks. It's not good for you. You have to have a full meal. I remember this person who went on a trip, on a, on a, on a, a ship, on a cruise. And they paid much for this cruise. They saved all their money up for it until they could buy the ticket. And they packed their suitcases full of crackers and cheese. Crackers and cheese. They thought it's going to be good. So the first day, it's all of the excitement on the ship and they're sitting around and with everybody else. And as they order these platters of food coming to them and walking around, this couple will go to their little cabin and they eat crackers of cheese. And who knows that after a few days, crackers and cheese is not nice anymore. It gets boring, isn't it? And a few, uh, after a week of eating crackers and cheese, they were sick and tired of crackers and cheese. And they thought if we could only, if we could only do room service and get a nice plate of food coming to us, as they see these plates coming past their cabin, as they see outside on decks our people eat all of these nice food, crackers and cheese, crackers and cheese. So it's one of the final days they actually grabbed a porter and said, look, how much do we have to pay for just one of those plates? And the porter says, can I see your ticket, your boarding ticket? And they show it to them. And he said, look, the food is included in your ticket. (laughs) And there they were sitting all this time eating crackers and cheese. You know, when I think about that little story, it makes me think that there are Christians sitting in the church and they are just happy to have crackers and cheese. But it won't sustain and last you. And in fact, it will not, it, listen to me, it will not prepare you for these days. Although I believe the church will be gone, but for those, it will not prepare for the deceivement already in the world. Remember? Remember when we spoke about the Antichrist? He says the Antichrist is coming, but there are already Antichrists in the world. There is the spirit of the Antichrist already operating in the world and deceiving already hundreds and millions of people. Not every single person who calls himself a Christian is a Christian. Who knows that? And it fascinates me when I hear people talk, Christians talk, and they look at one person and say, Oh, what a man of God! What a lovely person! And then when I read about that man, it turns out he is... A, re, a renewed Roman Catholic. What is that? He's not a Christian. And this is the deceivement in the world. We talk about now the false prophet. The false prophet. And we find him in Revelation chapter 13 verse 11 when he says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Remember, we are seeing behind the scenes. For the world, when this man appears, he will not sound like a dragon. 
He will have beautiful words, soft-toned. He will deceive people by the throves. And must I say to you this morning, it is already in the world. God formed two foundations for society. One is the state. He put a government in place. And the second one is the church. Remember when Jesus Christ came and he, he, he actually founded the church. He said, on the, this church, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this. So there's these two pillars in society. It is the government, the state and the church. And each one has its own function. This is how God has made it. God actually put governments in place. But there's also the church. And when these two becomes mingled with each other, that's when you have a problem. That's when the problems start. And here we're going to see in the last days that there's going to be the Antichrist coming up, and that's the world government with the empire. And then we're going to see this church or the religious system that's going to support that, and that is the false prophet. The two of them here will go together. The one will use the other in the last days. So we are looking at the unholy trinity. You remember that? We've, we've got the Father, we've got the Son, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is what the Bible teaches us. This is who I'm serving. I come to the Father through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit inspires me to pray. He strengthens me. He helps me. But then we have the unholy trinity, which is Satan. And in the book of Revelation, it is shown as the fiery red dragon in Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. And then we have the Antichrist. And it's in Revelation 13. We saw that last week. And then we will have the false prophet. The unholy trinity is playing out in front of us as we study through this. A second ally of this Antichrist that's coming into the world will be this band of prophets and priests who will support him. And they will carry on the worship. They will perform fake miracles. Come on, isn't that what's happening in the world right now? Fake miracles. I haven't seen so many on YouTube, honestly, people who have been raised from the dead. I haven't seen so many. It is amazing. We need to invite them to this place where we're preaching from. This is a funeral home. <laughs> They'll feel at home here. Fake miracles will happen. But the only reason they do that is to make the world to worship the beast. And we will see that today. So let's go right into the word this morning. He says in Revelation chapter 13 verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. Remember the first beast came out of the sea, which is the nations, and this one comes out of the earth. That covers every single thing. If you go back to Genesis, he says, in the beginning, what? The world was without form and void. And then what did God do? He separated the land and the sea from each other. The one will come from the sea, the other one will come from the earth. That captures the whole cosmos, the whole earth. And this one comes out of the earth, and he had two horns. You see, he had the character of the lamb, 
but he had the voice of the dragon. The lamb, and remember what I said last time, he is a copycat. He copycats the father. This is what Satan does. And again, here we see that picture playing out in front of us. He comes out, he had two horns like a lamb. Where did we see the lamb in Revelation? In front of the throne. Remember when they said, who is worthy to receive the scroll? Remember that? And John was weeping. And who appeared? A lamb, though he was slain, appeared. And here we find the same thing. It is a copycat. The copycat appears like a lamb, and he spoke like a, a, a dragon. This voice is tempting. It's deceiving tones of Satan. And that's what's going to happen. It's not as if he's going to walk in and march in, and all of a sudden you're going to see the real character of him. No, he's got to deceive people first, and then once he's got their support, then he will turn on them. This is what sin does. Let's just quickly breach it away from there. Sin in your life is like that. At first it's nice, you feel guilty about it, you go along with it, and then sin turns on you. And then it becomes ugly. You see, here we see this lamb, and the Bible explains him, he's identified as the false prophet. In Revelation 16 verse 13 it says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. We're going to address that once we get to Revelation 16. Out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, which is this one we are dealing here with. Revelation 19 verse 20, then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast on those who worship his image. These two were cast alive into the like of fire burning with brimstone. In fact, if you look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, you'll find that the devil deceived and was also cast into the lake of fire. So here we find three people taking residence in the lake of fire. Who's that? It will be this man, the Antichrist, appearing on the scene. It will be the false prophet, and their master is going to join them there. You see, the saddest thing of all is the lake of fire was never made for mankind. Never. But there will be thousands and millions who will join those three in the lake of fire. As sad as it is to say that. This is the lamb and he spoke like a dragon. In verse 12 he says, And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And this is his job's description. Remember, he is a copycat. And here he copycats whom? The Holy Spirit. He copycats the Holy Spirit. Now for us to understand the false, what do we first need to see? The truth. If you talk to somebody who works in a bank, a teller, who counts the money, well, these days there's all of this plastic. So that art form is going away as well. But I understand if you go and sit in a bank as a teller and you need to receive notes, 
they teach you how many the true notes feels. You, you handle so many true notes, and then they let you feel the false notes. And guess what happens? As you go through the true notes, and you count them, every one of them, and a false note is in there, you go through and you go, oops, that one doesn't feel right. Is that right? They don't give you a bunch of false notes, and you start feeling the false notes, and then they give you a true one. Is it right? And this is the thing. How can people understand the false if they don't know the truth? This is his job description. What is he going to do? He's going to cause those who dwell in the world to worship the first beast, to bow the knee to the Antichrist. So let us go in our Bibles to John chapter 16. Let us have a look at the first or the true note this morning. Let's see the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the work of the Holy Spirit is in this place this morning? Let us read it. John chapter 16, and we're going to go from verse 7. In fact, we need to read the whole chapter. In this starts, this conversation of Jesus is in the upper room, and it starts way before this. It goes back to chapter 13, but we will parachute in here, and as I always say, you can go and read the whole chapter this afternoon. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, this is Jesus' words, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, who's that? The Holy Spirit, the Parakletos, the Helper, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send Him to you. So now the question is, what is His work? To do what? Just to help you? To strengthen you? And you see, some people, some Christians, are praying like this. They just see the Holy Spirit as being a crutch that I can every time lean on. He's not only a crutch. Friends, did you know that the Holy Holy Spirit is a person? There are some who say He's just a wink, like out there. Because some places He says He blows like the wind here and there. The Jehovah Witnesses say He's just a wind. He's a spirit, they say. But you know what? I need to someday do a study, and and we preach a study on the Holy Spirit. He's a person. And this is how you should see Him. He's got a a job that He's going to do. He's not just a crutch. Look at verse 8. He says, And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin. You see why you feel that conviction? It's the Holy Spirit. I was counseling somebody back in New Zealand, a young man in New Zealand once, and he came to me and he says, every single time I do this thing I do, and he told me what it was, he said, I feel so guilty. He says, I came to the point that I can't do it anymore because there's just this, every time I do it, there's this this voice that says to me, don't do it. I said, who do you think that is? Is it your mom or your dad? (laughs) No, it's not them. But his parents were praising, they were Christians following Christ. And I explained to him, I said, son, you know what is, what is happening here? You are convicted of your sin. You better listen to that voice and stop your sin. So he's doing a conviction. That's the first thing. And of righteousness. Righteousness is living a life acceptable to him. 
and of judgment. So these are three things that the Holy Spirit does. It convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Keep your finger there. Just flick over to 1 John chapter 1. Let's do a quick Bible study. Amen? I don't hear a lot of amens there. Praise God. Thank you, sister. Amen. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. Everybody knows the scripture verse, but I'll just keep your place there in, one, in, in John 16. I just want to show you how, how wonderful the Bible is. In fact, the epistles of John is an exposition of the gospel of John. If you ever read something in the, in the gospel of John and you don't understand it, go to the letters of John and they explain the gospel. And I'm going to prove it to you now. Because here we read in that verse, he says, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see those three things? Now we flick over to the exposition of the gospel, which is John himself. And look at chapter 1, verse 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive who? Are you deceiving your parents? Are you deceiving your husband, your wife? Are you deceiving God? No, you're deceiving yourself. He says it right there. You make yourself a liar to yourself. And the truth is not in us. But, now he says in verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see those two things there? So people think that if, we give, if, if the Lord comes and He forgives our sins, He's only getting rid of your sins, and He does that. He puts it into the sea of forgetfulness. And He never fishes it out again. But there's a second thing there. He says not only that, He cleans you from your unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? It's the life we live. It's the life we live. And those are the two things we relate back to the work he does. Go back to John 16. He says in verse 9, Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. You see, Jesus Christ while he was walking with them was an example of righteousness. When he walked amongst them, they could see him. They could see what he do, and they could do what he do, what he did. That was the that was the example of righteousness. But now he's going away. That's what he says there. But the Holy Spirit will be now with us, and he will guide us and guard us in unrighteousness. How many of you, when you gave your hearts to the Lord, did something silly after you gave your heart to the Lord, and you go, "Ooh, I shouldn't have done that." That does, that's not befitting with a child of God. How many of you are still doing it? Don't put up your hand now. <laughs> How many of you are still getting frustrated in traffic? And this is it. And then right after you got frustrated, you go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's the Holy Spirit working in you, friend. He's teaching you a life of righteousness. And this is His work. How wonderful is it? And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, however, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth has come, 
He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Isn't that what He does? He's the Spirit of truth. He will guide you in all truth. Who is truth? Jesus Christ is that truth. If you want to ask yourself that question, you need to look at just page one back, John 14, verse 26. Look at this verse. He says, But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He tells them what Jesus Christ said to them. That's the truth. Verse 14. John 16, 14, He says, He will glorify me. Hallelujah. He will glorify me. This is an asset test, friends. If you see people going on and they say the Holy Spirit is working in this place, just see who they are glorifying through those antics they are throwing out. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. That's His work. Remember, we are dealing with the false prophet here. We're going to see the contrast. For He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father are mine, therefore I said that He will take of mine and He will declare it of you. So that's only a short Bible study of what the work of the Holy Spirit is. So what is the work of this false prophet here in verse th uh, chapter 13? Revelation 13, 12, He causes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast. Copycat. It's what the Holy Spirit was going to do with Jesus. Listen, friends, we cannot live without the Holy Spirit. We need Him every day. Let's continue. Verse 13. And He performed great signs. Oh, we are living in a sign world right now. So that He uh, even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And that was the great miracle. If you can do that, if you can do that, that's the proof that you are from God. And we're going to see that in a minute. And He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs, which He was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Remember that this Antichrist is going to be fatally wounded. And that was a copycat of Jesus Christ who died and was risen from the grave. And then he's going to miraculously be healed. And this is causing part of that. But look at this now. He is a deceiver. And through these great signs, he deceives the people. And you see the word that is used here for deceive, plank. Where did we see this word last week? Remember when, he, when John wrote about this? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, he said, But deceivers and antichrist is in the world. That word plank means, remember when I explained to you that it is those star gazers who looked at the stars and who mapped them. And then they saw this one star that goes out of it because it could have been a planet, but it goes out, out of the map. So he wandered away from the map, from the, from the line. And this is what they do. These people are wandering away from the truth. That's why he uses the word plank there. These people, he deceives, he gets people to wander away from the truth, those who dwell on the earth. And how does he do it? By signs. 
We don't follow Christ because of signs. Signs and wonders when Christ was here on the earth was just supporting Him. It wasn't the great thing. Although, all of the people asked for signs, didn't they? Show us a sign. Show us a sign and we will believe that you are a God. And here this man will come and he will do signs and everybody will will look at that and go, wow, it must be from God. Even, Even bringing fire from heaven, down from heaven. He imitates three things here. First of all, he imitates the two witnesses. Remember what they were given a couple of chapters before this? They could call fire from heaven. So he makes war against them. They were killed. And who appears on the scene? The false prophet. And what can he do? He can call fire from heaven. You see how the truth is being mingled and, and watered down? Even in our day, friends, this is a, a stark warning for us. The second one is of God's Old Testament acts. You remember when Elijah was on Mount Carmel? What happened? He had all of these priests come and they had to pray so that God from heaven could send fire and and burn the offering. Did anything happen? No. And then he got them to bring water and thrones and throw it all over. And what did he do? He prayed and God sent fire from heaven which leapt up the water and the offering. So here this false prophet comes and he is imitating even that. The acts of the Old Testament. But not only that, the biggest one was at the day of Pentecost. You remember in the day of Pentecost when they prayed, it looked like tongues of fire were sitting on them. What did, what did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus? He says, he will baptize you with the Spirit and fire. He is a copycat true to nature. He imitates these things and he performed great signs. And it's interesting, when he says perform great signs, that's a present tense verb. Because it means that he's continuing to do great miracles for them. And people come to us, you know, they come to me sometimes and they ask me as a pastor, they think I, need to, I know all the que- answers to questions, and I don't. I don't know a lot of things, and I'm the first one to admit that. And they say, I've, I, you know, who remembers Alibaba who was in India? He was a guru, okay? And Alibaba had a lot of followers in India. Did you, is that something familiar to you, Janelle? Sai Baba, that's it, sorry. I don't know where Ali came from. It was Sai Baba. Is he dead now? He's dead. But, you know, back in the years, Sai Baba, he had a lot of followers coming. And his favorite thing was he could walk amongst people and oil would come out of his hands out of the palms of his hands, and, and he will touch people and they will get healed. And there was this man, this businessman from New York, who had a, a cancer in his back, and he had so much pain, and he said he got onto a plane, and as soon as he sat on the plane, a voice came to him and said, you need to get off this flight, get on another flight, fly to India, and go see a man by the name of Sai Baba. So he did that. This is his testimony. He got off the plane, got onto another flight, go there, went in there, got there, and, and he was just in time. Just so happens, miraculously, he was just in time that Sai Baba walked there, and as he walked through the crowd, he says, there's a man here from New York who needed to come and see me, and he goes, that's me. So oil came out of his hand, and he touched his head, and gone, he was healed completely. And people ask me, how, did this, how does this happen? How does this happen? 
Do you remember back in the day, and even now, you know, I, I went to Vietnam uh, just a couple of months ago. You all know about that. And I went to the Notre Dame, uh, and, and there's this statue of Mary there, standing right in front. I've still got a photo of it, standing next to it. And the statue of Mary, and there's still, in this communist country, there is Roman Catholics who come to pray there. And I, and, and I spoke to some of them there, and one of them told me that, in, I think it was 1995 or 2005, somewhere there, that miraculously the statue started weeping. Have you heard those? And people ask you, how does that happen? How does that happen? There was this cross, uh, another one, there was this cross in America, which they've put down where there was a battle. And all of a sudden, somebody walked past this cross of wood, and there's blood flowing out of the cross. How does these things happen? And I'll tell you one thing, friend, that Satan has got power to deceive. That is not of God. And we see it here. The Bible is rife of that. It explains to us. Be careful. How is it that somebody tells somebody's fortune? One of those people sitting with those little balls. And then five years later it happens like that. I'm telling you today, you cannot believe those things because it's false. It is, it is a misuse of the power that's happening in the world. It is not of God. But how are you going to discern that if you do not even know the Word of God? Here we see this. He will be able to perform great signs. Have you seen the word great there? So much so that somebody's been brought out of death in front of everybody, the Antichrist. Friends, you and I, what is the message for us? I mean, I rave on about this and I preach and, and I preach and I preach and I preach. What is in it for us? You and I need to be so careful not to be deceived with small things. And, and again, let me, I'm, I'm thinking back about, you know, New Zealand a lot this morning, but let me give you this testimony. I was sitting there one day and we had a men's group and one person wanted to bring me a videotape of a man who died and he went to hell and he came back. And I thought, whoa, this is great. I need to see this video, man. And we sat down and the first few words that he said made me to believe he's false. And it's not because I saw the man and couldn't trust him or anything or waited for a doctor's certificate. No, it was the Word of God. When he opened up his mouth and he said, I went, I was deaf and I went and I saw the gates of hell. He said there was a gate in the, and it stood there on top, gates of hell. That made me suspicious. But when he said the following words, he said, and he asked Jesus, why? Why do you send me back? And he said, because in you, the promise of Luke chapter 16 is fulfilled of the rich young man who wanted to send somebody back and tell his brothers. And I go, where in the world am I reading that in the Bible? Friends, I'm saying this to you because this is serious. There's a deceivement in the world already. Let's continue on to verse 15. He says, And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the, uh, of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Interesting. He was granted to give breath to the image of the beast. Have you noticed? Breath to the image. The previous verse he says, they were making an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And here he says that he gave breath to the image 
to speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. What's he trying to do here? He is trying to correct every single thing that happened in the Old Testament. Who remember the image of Dagon? Dagon was an image they built, and when they captured the Ark of the Covenant, they put Dagon next to the Ark of the Covenant with their gods. And the next day, Dagon fell over. Nobody touched it. Who knows of all of the images in the Old Testament they've made? The golden cow. All of these images, they couldn't speak. Look, it says it right there in Psalm 134 verse 15. The idols of the nations are silver and gold. The work of men's hand. It's stuff that they built. It's the same image that they will build for the beast. Look at that. He says, and it was granted to this side, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the short. And here he goes. They are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Man's effort. They have mouths. But they do not speak. Eyes, they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. This is what was written back in Psalm. Now, we come to Revelation and this false prophet appears and what does he do? Can you see the opposites here? How wonderful is the Bible? He goes, the breath of the image, the beast, the image of the beast should both speak and cause many to worship the image of the beast to be killed. How big is that deceivement? All of these years you've built that, you've built that, it doesn't speak, it doesn't live. Now all of a sudden, your idols comes to life. How many people will be deceived? Then there are those who says, I'll take my chances. Man, if you are deceived now, you will be deceived then. You will be one of those crying out, kill those Christians. Because they want to cut down the peace of this world, the newfound peace. You will be standing right in front with your placard against the people of the way like Paul did. It's different from these idols described in the Old Testament. This is the real false prophet. Verse 16. You see there's now an economic strategy. He caused all both and small, great and rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark on his name on the beast, or the number of his name. Here is the wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is 666. He, he, he received a, a mark on the right hand and forehead. So this is again copycatting what happened in Revelation chapter 7, verse 3. You remember? Remember when, when this angel said, Do not harm the earth, the sea, the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads? He's a copycat. He's a monkey see, monkey do. He's a parrot. Hi, Max. Hi, Max. Hi, Max. Hi, Max. That's all he can do. It's nothing new. But he's so good at it that thousands and millions will follow him. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. That was 144,000. You remember that? Back in Revelation 7. And here now, he causes all of them, rich and poor, free, every single person, slave, every one of those, will receive this mark in their right hand and their foreheads. 
But this is not new. It's absolutely not new because if we go back, remember when we went through the seven churches of the seven cities? There were these temples. And what did they have to do? They had to come in, everybody, bow the knee and shout what? Caesar is Lord! And if you were an electrician or a plumber or a builder, once you've done that, they will give you a pass. It already happened. So it's not new. When they're here, when, when in the day when this went out to the churches and they read this, it's new for us. We don't understand it in the Western world now. But they understood exactly what he written here. Because then they got a pass. And once they get the pass, now as an electrician I will get work. As a plumber I will get work. As a builder I will get work. But if I will not go into that temple and shout, Caesar is Lord, but if I go in there and shout, Jesus is Lord, what happens to me? You don't get the pass. Then what can I do? I cannot sell. I cannot buy. And you will die of poverty. But much worse than that happened. If I shout to Jesus is Lord, what happens to you? They come to your farm... Out there, out in your farm. Listen, you can't run from this and you won't be able. And they come and get you like they did Polycarp. Because he would not bow the knee and shout, Caesar is Lord. He said, Jesus is Lord. And they will kill them. This is what's going to happen. He says it right there. He says that if they do not receive this stuff, they will be killed. Or if they do not worship the beast, they will be killed. Now a lot has been said about this mark. I've listened to so many sermons. Have you heard about Digital Angel? Some of you, it is a chip. Now I'm not going to stand here this morning and say it is the chip that is going to be put in your hand and into your forehead. And that might shock you. Because this goes deeper than just a chip that goes into your hand and in your forehead. This goes way deeper. You see, the fact of the matter is, if you go back in the day and just bow the knee, Polycarp would just said, man, um, I want to go back to my farm. I'm 85 years old. What do you want to have with an old man? I'm just going to bow and say, Caesar is Lord. Give me, the oh, there we go. Now I can go farming. It's much deeper than that little piece of paper. It goes about worship. That's what it is. The key of unlocking this whole chapter and even the mark, 666, goes about worship. It feels to me sometimes we get so facetious, you know, we just see, and we see all of these news coming out, they are now chipping all of the, the soldiers, the American soldiers, they're putting chips in them so that when they get killed in battle that they can go around with GPS systems and they can retrieve their bodies. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Friends, let us not be deceived. It's not only just a chip which they pump into your, your hands. It goes about worship. And somehow, somehow, there will be a mark left if you go and bow the knee in this time and receive that mark, which will cut you out and give you a residence in the lake of fire. He says it right there to receive it on the hand and their foreheads. Foreheads is an interesting place, isn't it? It is the center of thought. It's the center of thought. If you look at 
the Illuminati these days, if you look at the signs of the Illuminati, if you look at the, the $1 bill, the American $1 bill, and you see the pyramid, and you see the capstone which is lifted up, the, the missing capstone, the all-seeing eye, and, and you see, and it, look, what I'm telling you today is, being, is on everything that your, excuse me, young people see, music videos and everything. It's all of these signs, it's indoctrination. You see all these young singers now, Katy Perry and you name them, that's one, who's the others? Katy Perry and all of those. You see their videos going on and they've got the caps in the eye and they've got all of these things, the all-seeing eye, the third eye. They reckon it's right there. And this is where they reckon on the forehead. Not only that, if you go back to the Old Testament, the Orthodox Jews these days, if you see them, they walk around with a band and a small little box on their foreheads. It's a paraclete. And in that is the Ten Commandments. It's as if he's, this is mocking. It's coming to the front end. It's controlling your mind. It's mind control. It is way more than just a chip and a thing that's been pumped into your hand. And we are seeing the world already preparing for that. We see the world already prepared. He says, here is wisdom. Let him who understand calculate the number of the beast. And let me just say, this 666 is, is so well debated and studied and everything. But we can't 100% say what it is. There's people who say it's numerology. If you put that number in, you will find the Antichrist name. And then they put it in and they found Hitler and Hitler is dead. Hitler who came to it, Stalin works out to be 666. And all of these men worked out to be 666. Another man in, Paul's, uh, in, in John's day who works out 666 in the Hebrew letter words was Hero, uh, Nero. And if you think about that, what he wanted to write to them is the worst man against Christianity that you can think of. This is worse than that. And the worst man against the Christians in his day was Nero. For in 67, Nero started a fire, which burned nearly the whole of Rome down. I think the fire went on for four days. And then they blamed the Christians for this. It became so bad that they persecuted Christians that he was walking in his courtyard and he used Christians on poles and set them afire, alight at night as lambs for people to see where they walk. That is the most cruel man that you can think of. And here, he is referring to a worse kind of man that you can think of. Now I know some of you might have come here this morning and say, I wonder who he's going to say is 666. And I can truly tell you this morning, I don't know, if there's somebody who knows, good luck. You know, I, I reckon some will work out in a computer formula that it is... Donald Trump. <laughs> Some even at Putin works out 666. I don't know what formula, for formula you use, but I'm telling you it is hard to crack that. What I know is that there's going to be a man, and this is his number, and he, he's going to make, through the false prophet, for people to receive the mark on their right hand and their foreheads. So what? Here we are sitting in 2017. 
The world's on fire. Have you noticed? It's not only a physical fire. It's a spiritual fire. It's on fire. So what? What is it? You know, what is the value for me of knowing about the Antichrist, the false prophet, the dragon? I want to say everything. You need to know these things. Because we are living in this world. We are living here. And look, this, this message shouldn't be a message where you go, Oh, what a negative message. Oh, man, I can't even bring my friends here because they're going to continue on about what's the end times. Your friends should listen to this. This is messages that you need to bring your friends to. Because friends, this is what it's about. Is it well with your soul? Are you sitting here and going, oh man, what happens if it happens tomorrow? Look, it, it, it is a given thing that there's a world financial crisis coming. It's just the timing thereof. A global financial meltdown. Have you heard about that? It, it's coming. It's so close. I mean, your stocks that you have, your money and everything, it ain't going to last you. There's only one who's going to give you peace like a river and it's Jesus Christ. And this is the important fact why we understand this. I find it an absolute privilege to stand and see behind the scenes. That when this spirit of Antichrist happened, we know about that. I end this morning with this verse. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. The same John who wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, do not love the world or the things of the world. Have you noticed? that he uses the word love, which is a current command. We had the same last week, didn't we? It's a current command. And then he says, do not, which is a negative support. He gives us a current command with a negative support. He says, do not love the world or the things of the world. There's two things that he mentions here. The world... The cosmos, the ecosystem, and also the things of the world. And when he so talks about world, it's not those beautiful pictures that we saw before, coming over the river, going down, the snow and the mountains. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the world system. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And what do we know now, what we've heard at the Lord's table this morning? If the love of the Father is not in you, there's no fellowship no fellowship. It's, it's a lonely world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Man, I can preach now just on those three things for you. Because it says, the lust of the flesh, this goes back to the garden. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Do you want to abide forever? <coughs> the scripture verse is clear this morning. Do the will of God. Amen. That's the false prophet this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can look into your word and we can learn from that. It can guide us. It can help us. It sustains us, Lord. I pray this morning for everyone in this place. 
I pray, Father, as we go each one our own way after this, that your Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance what we've heard today. 